0: Those are dangerous words that we just sang. Lord, use my life in any way you choose. I know there was a part of my life that I was certainly not excited about what I knew God would have for me to do for Him. And there was a chunk of that life of mine that I pointed that out. And I realized as I grew it's really foolish because it's great to do what God has called us to. And we truly are blessed. The difference is, is what we want? And as we grow closer to the Lord, His desires do become our desires. And we are blessed more than we possibly could have ever forged in our own track. But learning that and trusting that is an act of faith, certainly in growth. And so this morning as we come back to this series, this last series, sermon here, this last message in this series of Salt and Light. Uh, You have your your notes there. I hope you can follow along. We're actually going to tie in a little from last week. Um, I I do have the same news that Pastor Ken mentioned earlier, and that is Pastor Jim will be here next week. So that will be great and a good encouragement for us. Uh, But as we finish this off this morning, walking together, I'd ask you to turn to Galatians chapter 6, just as we kind of closed the loop on, on last week's tie into this week. Um, and if you remember, uh, we, we are talking about salt and light, this whole series. He's made us salt. There are no other options. There are no other ways. He is the way, the truth, and the, and the life. There is the light that lights the world. And we talked about how we need to be looking at eternal investments, how He's created us to invest eternally, how he secured eternity for us in the gospel. We talked about walking worthy. We talked about walking worthy as we walk with the Spirit. This last week, I, I hope was good for you. I asked if you would read Romans chapter 7 and 8, looking at this freedom that we have in Christ. I, I hope that was an encouragement to you. If you haven't read that, I'd ask you to read it again because it's so important as we even think about walking by the Spirit, as we think about walking in step with the Spirit and led by the Spirit, that this is not something that we ourselves do, but something that we ourselves submit to. We commit to that. We walk with Him by the light of His Word, in the Word, in prayer. And in fellowship with one another. And that was, that's what he's called us to. That's how we live this freedom that he's secured for us. That we talked about last week. This is how we walk together in love. Because our default is not loving. It's self-focused. And so all of these things that we talk about sounds great when we're looking at these things in the moment on a Sunday morning. But in real life it gets really hard. And you know even in the family, siblings never fight and argue. There's never any disunity in the vehicle coming to church Sunday morning. There's never any problems in God's family when we do join together. And We know those are all not true. The, the truth is we're all growing in this. We're all growing in love, and it's not always pretty. Hopefully, as we look at this loving service, we understand what love is. Love endures. Love perseveres. Part of what makes love love in a broken world and in broken lives is the fact that it lasts and is committed even through some of the tough times, through the mistakes, and hopefully through growth. But as we look at loving service, when he in Galatians chapter 5 says that we were called to freedom but only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. That is a call on our life as we think about what your purpose is. Loving service. And as we look at the purpose for our life every single day, it changes the decisions we make. It changes how we see everything, like lenses that we see the whole world through. It all looks a little different when we ask God first to help us serve versus look to the world and ask, "How can it serve me?" That's often where we end up and drift to, often even in a day so quickly, when we find out the world doesn't serve me. And so as we go from Galatians chapter five into chapter six, and we really didn't talk about this much last week we see this humble accountability. And in the beginning part of chapter 6, you see, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, look to restore that one in a spirit of gentleness. Who are those that are spiritual? Those that are walking in step with the Spirit. Those that are walking by means of the Spirit. But notice, I love verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Listen, we we need one another. We need one another. One another. We've been made to need one another. We've been made to be there for one another. And even as we look at this fall, and I don't want to talk about fall already, it's still summer, right? We don't want to talk about that. But you know, these launches, relaunching of, of small groups, life groups, of a new equip, adult Bible study, and Sunday school hour. These are opportunities for us to live these things out, to do this life-on-life kind of walk together. Walking together with purpose this morning is is our goal. And so as you would, turn to Ephesians chapter 4 as we talk through what walking together with purpose looks like. I know I had you go to Galatians. I apologize if it was not a long stay, but for the sake of time... And the little ones amongst us this morning at Family Church Sunday, talking to all generations this morning, talking about purpose, there's an aspect of that purpose that we see even here in these young lives, this next generation. But here in Gal- or, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to pick up in verse 7, and we're going to tie it into what we've been discussing and talking about, uh, but as we begin in verse 7, read with me if you would. But grace, Paul writes was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. This is a quote from Psalm 68. Uh, And he led in victory, he gave victory in the spoils of these victors. We see that as he ascended, what does it also mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens notice what it says that he might fill all things we'll talk about that later and he literally then this is this is this is interesting here when it says he it it literally means he himself so he did this and paul says he himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Notice again, just really quick, this tie to fullness. His purpose was that he might fill all things. And here the goal is that this would be in the stature and the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And may I add, this isn't always external to us. Our own flesh and our own desires whisper the things in our ears that aren't true about what really matters, about our purpose. We need to be rooted in truth, spiritual strength, and so he goes on to say, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Now there are times in our life, spiritually, where the truth is we, we really just need to grow up. We need to grow up in the knowledge of him and our faith and resting in who he is and what he has said. He says, We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped When each part is working properly, makes the body to grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the divine structure for your blessing, for your strength, for God's work in this world. As salt and light, it's His people. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank You that You are the one who gives us purpose. Truth is, when we look for our own, we're so quickly dissatisfied. And the truth is, in our dissatisfaction, it it, it really points to the fact that you have secured for us a role, a place, a position. You are the one who's called us into your purposes, and by your grace enables us to even do what you've made us to do. In fact, the more we rest in what you're doing through us, the more we realize it's always been you. You. And so we just thank you for that. We submit ourselves this morning to that. I pray for each one here that they may know you more, see your purpose for each one more clearly, and that we as a church would be built up, that you would be honored by it. Even this morning, you'd be at work through it. And we pray in your son's name, amen. The truth is, I didn't know who was going to be here this morning. But this week, I've been praying for each one who was, those that might watch online. And a lot of times before preparing these sort of things, I asked myself, what do I really want? And, and those things that I was heavy on my heart for each of you to know your purpose. You know, so much of our lives, so much of this world is just looking for meaning and value and place and worth. And I just hope and pray every single one of you knows that God has a purpose for you. Doesn't matter your past. In fact, he uses our past as a part of his purposes. Doesn't matter your failures. It's never, never right to do wrong. But I'll tell you, he uses even our failures to do something great because only he can do that. He's using every single one of us exactly the way we are as a part of his glory and his purpose. If you were in Christ, all things work together for good for a reason, for his glory. And if you keep reading in chapter 28 or verse 28 and 29 there, that we'd be like him. And that's a great blessing to us all, the salt and light. The, tr- the central truth this morning was really, we could spend a long time talking about it. We're not going to more than just this one message. It's crazy to think that God has included me in his purposes of blessing. One, that we're blessed Why would the God of the universe choose to bless me? You know, in our pride, in our arrogance, in our flesh, we often think that we deserve the world. In those moments of reality and honesty, we realize the opposite is true. And when you really think about what God has done in Christ, you find yourself along with the psalmist saying, who are we? Who am I that you should that you should even want me or desire me or, or know me. But God with the great love with which he has loved us has chosen to. But even bigger than that, is that, that is, is that for whatever reason he chooses to work in us a blessing for others. In fact, you know that the greatest of blessings in your life are those relationships in your life that love that binds you together one to another in your life. All these things are passing away, but those around us are truly we are going into eternity, our greatest treasures, our greatest blessings. If we could slow down and see that, not just in our families, but in our own lives, we'd be wise. He chooses to bless me. He chooses us to bless one another, I just want to ask, before we get into all this, this past week might be a good measure, what are your purposes in life? What purposes drive your life? Now, understand that that doesn't mean that because I'm going to serve God, I'm going to do absolutely nothing except go around and be basically a busybody and, and pester all of you day to day, door to door. That's what we're talking about here. Subordination, what's the greatest priorities of your life? You need to live, you need to eat. You're told to, actually, to work, that you would. But what are the purposes that drive my life? If I were to go too slow and not have enough things up on the screen, talk about the same things over and over again, what would your mind start to drift towards? Is it lunch? Is it a new vehicle? Is it a new career? Is it fishing? Is it your vacation that's coming up? Just real honestly, what are the drives in my life, the purposes that I find my identity and my purpose and value? Maybe it's the children that you're sitting with right now. What are the purposes that drive my life? Listen, that doesn't mean any of that is bad. I plan on eating lunch too. But what drives my life matters. What drives my life matters. You know, last week we talked about tyranny as the default of the flesh. A terrible taskmaster but here today we have to understand that a part of what binds everything here in ephesians together is that attitude it's not about me you see division and isolation and misery is the default of a self-focused life it's never going to be enough it's never going to be enough the servant-focused life is very different. Of course, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus himself said the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to give his life as a ransom, to serve even those that had no idea what that meant, even in that conversation. They were fighting about who was going to be the greatest. They had a great purpose. Listen, they got it. Maybe we, we missed this a little bit. They knew they were being called to follow the Messiah into the kingdom. But what they thought kingdom was, was ruling and governing, being the object of everybody else's submission. And amongst that group, that, fo- that flowed out as well, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's going to be the greatest underneath the Messiah, this, this Christ who's been sent to us, Jesus we know him to be? And he corrected them and said, you missed it, guys. That's what Gentiles chase after. That's what the flesh, that's what the world chases after. You want to be great in the kingdom? Become a servant. Even the son of man, greater to the lesser, that argument, even I came to serve. Listen, I love First Peter chapter 2. It's why it's in your notes. <laughs> We're called to be priests, a chosen race. I'll just read it for you really quick. First Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Now, we take those, and it might be encouraging to you in times of trial. I hope it is to realize God's got a purpose for your life. You have a calling and a future. We talked about that. But understand that with that comes a responsibility. Listen, if we are a chosen race and a royal priesthood and a holy nation, then we are to be something even now that often we are not. We're to be servants. You know, a lot of times we get into this default mentality where, where you know, Pastor Jim stands up here, or Pastor Ken, or myself, and, and, and those that are leaders in the different ministries, and they do and they serve, and that's what they do when we come and we participate. That's not the model at all, even when we claim these realities in Christ. He's called us to be the ministers, every single one of us, us to be the servants. That's His purpose even for us now. And so as we look at this walking worthy, walking by the Spirit, understand that even as we talk about being equipped and doing the work of the ministry, which we're going to get into here because it's in Ephesians chapter 4, we realize that Paul's bigger argument, and this would be effective if we could have walked through Ephesians, the whole book. We've been kind of uh, doing this topically. But it's tied into the whole book that my manner of walk, the freedom that we talked about last week, the being able to walk and step with the Spirit is tied to, it's defined by the manner in which I'm connected to all of God's work, the level and manner in which I'm connected to His people, And not just in consuming, not just in being poured into, but even in the way in which I pour out in others. Listen, God created us to serve alongside him. God created us to thrive and to be full. Somehow, how is it true that when I pour out, that somehow I am filled back up? That's, That's a divine creation for your blessing and for your good. And it's counterintuitive to all of our flesh and the world's wisdom. And so we see this in, in these bookends really quickly. And we're in Ephesians. You can flip back and forth. And we're going to be not only in chapter 4, but going to be looking ahead, just tracking love later in the message as well. But as we look at these bookends, we don't just have this statement about gifts and equipping and ministry in a vacuum. We see that we are told to walk worthy in the beginning of chapter 4. And look at this dynamic. If you were to walk through that, you see these are individuals within the collective whole. You as individuals, you as a group need to be careful to walk worthy of the calling to which you have been called with humility and with gentleness and with patience, bearing one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, verses one through three. And then it's interesting, he goes on to talk about the unity. And this is even beyond just our church here, but in the, in the whole family of God. Listen, you, you meet a believer somewhere else in life you've never met before. Isn't it a blessing to your soul when you share some time in reflecting on God's goodness? There's a, there's a connection there. He says, listen, all of us, there's one body, there's one spirit, just as you were called in the one hope. He's, he's emphasizing the whole. And in verse 7, notice it comes back to where we are. But to each one, grace has been given. And so we as a part of the whole impact the whole as much as the whole impacts us. And that might seem like a tongue twister, but think about it. We impact The whole, as much as the whole impacts us as a part of Christ. The counterpoint to this, and this is the purpose of this message this morning, to think about blessings. How God has woven us into this blessing, being blessed and blessing others. I think of verses 15 and 16 where he speaks of this process and notes when each one of us is functioning properly. I'm going to be honest with you. There's chunks of my life, I was not functioning properly. Aren't you glad that God works through even those times to grow us so that we can? And it's not like we're finished. I love how Paul, he includes himself in all of this. And he says, we are growing up. We are building up. We are all in this process together, every single one of us. Of course, he goes on to say uh, later after our section here talking about being built up and growing and ministering, another warning, don't walk as the Gentiles do, but be imitators of God, walking in love, walking as children of light. So what we see here in this passage, this section 7 through 16, is really counterpoint in this big picture of God's blessing in chapter 1, of our calling in chapter 2. And even as we get to the end of the book, real practical things like, what's that look like in marriage? What's that look like as a child, as a parent? What's that look like in the workplace? And in reality, Ephesians chapter 6, what's that look like in a battlefield of life? We need the spiritual armor. We need to be strengthened by the strength of His might. We won't be able to stand. And the days are evil And so in the midst of all of this, we see grace with purpose. There's a purpose for all of this. And we see this purpose even as a grace is defined, given in verse 7. It says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he speaks about gifts being given to men and the purpose of that to equip the saints. But very clearly, we must understand that Paul's ministry the way he saw his own personal ministry was a gift of God's grace to him this is something that he held on to and said this is a blessing to me I want to tell you when I knew without a doubt that God was calling me to do ministry I did not feel it was much of a blessing I felt that I would be blessed better if I used the skills or abilities whatever opportunities that he'd given for my own purpose That's very wrong. But Paul sees the opportunity for ministry as a gift, as an example, as the example to be able to follow. I think about John chapter 1. As even we see Jesus coming and becoming flesh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, the glory, the Son of Man, I'm sorry, the glory from the Father, full of grace and truth. John chapter 1, verse 16, for from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. He is the one at work in all of this. In Paul in chapter 3, in verse 6, in talking about his own ministry, he said, according to the gift of God's grace which was given to me. By the working of his power, to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this gift of grace was given that I would preach and that I would bring light for everyone. Now listen, we're not all called to preach. But as salt and light in this world, we are called to bring light to everyone and to be that salt in the way that God has called us to be salt, that agent of impactful change, whether they accept it or not. doesn't feel like it sometimes in fact the reality is when we talk about these things and maybe even this morning as we think how it may impact our own personal life we got a great idea we go out there and life gets hard in those moments even as the lord leads on your heart you need to talk to your neighbor your coworker, that you talk about everything else but never about spiritual things this past week was very broken you know there was an opening there, the, the Spirit was prompting your heart that you didn't say anything. You know when those moments of fear became sp- pretty real, what does salt and light really look like? What are we really going to do? That's where we see my purpose in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10, we speak of salvation and of grace through faith alone, not of ourselves lest anyone should boast. But he goes on to say, obviously we know in verse 10, that we are his workmanship created for this. He has a purpose for this. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. The things that you can see that are actually done, the reflections of that inner work that's been done in your life as it comes out in actions that you choose to do. He created us for good works, which... He prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. We have a life defined by this. Now listen, I want to say, if this is your life already, you say, I'm, do, I'm trying. I hope this is encouragement to you. I hope that you continue to look to the Lord the same way Paul did and said, this is a gift. I love what I do. I love my job. I love my family. But I'll tell you what, I love seeing God work in people's lives. I pray that he does. And I see him open those doors. Listen, if you miss that opportunity with your co-worker with your neighbor, with your grandchildren, with your children, with your friends, whatever it may be, don't worry. Pray. God would open those doors again. Listen, if God is not calling them, there's nothing you can do anyways. But I'll tell you right now, I I challenge you to do this. Think about who you can be praying that God might use you to reach and see what he might do. I'll tell you gonna know one of two things i've seen this happen over and over again either one you're going to have that divine appointment you're going to be literally sitting here like oh this is it i gotta say something now or you're gonna find out he sends somebody else in your life you weren't even thinking about and yeah we keep praying for the same ones we keep praying for we still do many 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 but how many times i've been humbled that there are those that i wasn't even looking at and he just drops right in your lap and like oh well yeah this one too okay But you know, as you walk in step with the Spirit, you know that prompting. This is my purpose. This is why He saved me. He saved me to pass this on. Grace upon grace. Grace flowing through us. And here in this this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, when He talks about He gives gifts to men, we have to understand that these aren't the spiritual gifts that are so often talked about. Listen, the flesh wants power. The flesh wants ability. The flesh wants easy things to say. That's a spiritual mark on your life of salvation instead of the walk that's hard by faith. The truth here is this is not the spiritual gifts that are miraculous gifts that so many would like to claim to themselves. These are the people. When he says he gave gifts to men, he gave these men specifically, these people. Notice what it says. Even as we go through, he gave the apostles, verse 11, he gave the prophets, he gave the evangelists, the shepherds, and I just want to point out, this is Paul specifically, and he's saying, I'm, I'm a gift to humanity, he said, no, but God's ministry to me is a gift, and he chose that to be a gift for you. Listen, any of these things are because of him, not us. That's what being a servant is, Right? It's for others, not me. That's the tough thing. We talk about it, but I can tell you, this is really hard. And when you feel like you're the only one serving, it gets even harder. Let me tell you, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. I've thought about this. This has been really hard to learn. He says, come and learn from me, for I'm meek and mild. Learning to be a servant is so contrary to our flesh, It truly is a work of him in our hearts, in our life. These men are the gift. People are the gift. And if you look at this list, he gave the prophets in advance. Think of this preparation even before Christ came and was incarnate. In advance, he's prepared all that you need. You have it. We are so blessed today. If there's ever a time that you had... There is never a time, I should say. There's never a time that we've ever had in the history of the world... The resources that we have today to know his word, to be bathed in his word. I want to ask, what are you feeling your life with? I was so encouraged to spend some time down at the park yesterday and hear from one of the fathers they came that they just listen to preaching. They just love the word. And you know, that's I love the word. I listen to preaching. I, I don't listen to a lot of other things. They said we can have this invested in our life. What you sow you will reap. What you fill your life with will be what flows from it. People, these people, these certain ones were gifted to us, gifted to equip the saints. Pastor Jim, as he leads this ministry and week after week comes and pours into us the word and all these Sunday school teachers that pour the word into our lives. And each of those, that is, they hear the word and they're growing and you're sitting in the Sunday school class side by side one another and you say, hey, listen, this is what's going on in my life and this is what pastor said this morning and, and this is what this passage this week was about and, and this is the, the Wednesday night Bible study that I'm in and this is how it impacts where I'm at. All of that cumulatively fills us up, builds us up. It's through people the equipping ministry of the saints for the work of this ministry to one another. And I love how in this whole passage, speaking the truth in love, Paul, in verses 15 and 16, says we are to grow up. There's not a single one of us, including Paul himself, that is in this process. And I know I've pointed that out, but listen, we often separate ourselves in various categories I'm either better than them or not as good. Oh, he's different. Oh, he's the preacher. Maybe if he prays for me, maybe if they do something different, all the different ways, and Paul and he says, listen, this is God's program, this is God's plan. And the people are a part of it. As much as they may be a struggle, you know the people say the only problem with ministry, and we're all in ministry, trust me, is the people. That's the old joke. If it wasn't for the people, there would be no point, there'd be no purpose. The truth is, it's actually a great gift. Actually, you know what? Would you turn back to Ephesians chapter 1? Just one page for me. Actually, two pages for me. Chapter 1, verse 18. This is not in your notes. What is this great inheritance? We talked about this in regards to eternal investments. Making eternal investments. Pouring into people's lives. Every single one of us will end in eternity someplace, right? Each one of us is going there. Everything else will be left here. But when you look at this investment into our inheritance, verse 18, his prayer is that you'd have the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance. Notice what it says there. In the saints. This is crazy. I stumbled across this and asked myself, wait a minute, is this the right pronoun? Is this the right object? What's going on here? What he's saying is that we are his inheritance. Oh, man, that's a bad deal. I mean, it's because of his work and us that we're anything. But think about what he's saying. His inheritance is me. He gets me. The purchase of his son's blood. Last week, we talked about how on those slaves, their freedom was etched into the stone. Forever to be free And in Christ's blood, he wrote our own freedom and his redemption by his blood. That's what he purchased in that death on the cross for us. And in that, he got us and we are his inheritance. In verse 14, he says, we were sealed. This is chapter 1, verse 14. We were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, which is him and all of it now why do I point this out this is, this is a crazy thing to think the great inheritance that we have is us as his inheritance and his as ours you come back to what Paul talks about over and over again all in all one body the unity of what Paul is talking about here is even seen in the blessing when we invest in one another we are investing in the very blessing that blesses us it's all connected at every single level We are investing in the very inheritance that God himself secured for himself. And so as we look at this gifted for blessing reality, to somehow think that it's not tied to people is to miss the point. To think that it's something other than a spiritual work that God is doing through Christ, in Christ, in his people, as his people, as his body of Christ, is to miss the point. Listen, we can be really busy serving. I'm going to put air quotes. Without investing. This is not a message on, okay, we just need to uh, show up earlier, do more, commit to more opportunities. Now, that might be true. I don't know. But it has to do with the people. It's the investment in the individual. How are they doing? Driven by love. And when we talk about being gifted for this, we see that these specific men... We're gifted to equip. To equip the saints. To equip that they would be able to bless. So a lot of times we think in ministry, there are those that do this and those that do that, and I just am here and I do what I do. And what he's doing is he's pulling all this together and say, yeah, you know what? They're the prophets. They're important. God worked through them. Then the apostles they're important, too, and, and the preachers and the teachers and the evangelists. But listen, the point of all of that is you. I cannot reach or speak into the lives that you are called to. And I'm not even going to use the word can, called to. We can't do this. And then, so as we work together in this equipping, the question here is what's the point? Even on a Sunday morning, why do we do this? Why do we preach? This is so much of our time that we spend on a Sunday morning is focused on the Word. Why is that? Not all churches do that. Why is that? Why do we have Sunday school classes? Why do we have Wednesday nights? Why do we have this equip adult Sunday school class in the fall? Why do we have small groups? Because there comes a point in life, and I don't know when it is for for each of you, I can point to it in my life when God did this in my life and realize, wait a minute, you know, this is what this is all about. He humbled me to the place where I realized if I don't get on track with what life is all about and His purposes for mine, then it's a waste. And it's a train wreck. And I need the church and I need to follow Him and I need to be close to Him. I need to be in step with the Spirit. And those lessons continue to build as you walk with Him. I'm sure that most of you are wiser than I and learned this more quickly and realized this is where I need to be. I need to be in the Word. I need to be equipped. I can't do this on my own. And, and I love this for the doing of the ministry. The, the reason why this is here in this structure is very clear because this isn't just a work. The doing of serving here is, is this idea of the, the fruit of what's in your life. The evidence of what's in your life, not just the activity of doing it. And as we think about the equipping for that, that we're not entertainers, but equippers. Equippers at the inner heart level that is flowing out into actions and, and, and works. And you see, this is where we flip it upside down so often. I'm going to do to be. I'm going to do to be. I'm going to be loved by Him, so i got to do more. I'm going to be better, so I'm going to do more. Do to be. The heart of all of this is that God has called you to be and he's made you to be and that's why we do. And when we submit to that work of what we are being, it's seen in our doing and it might seem complicated, I'm trying not to make it complicated, but in the use of this word it's very clear that it could have been used any other way, any other word could have been used for this. But this is the evidence of what's already inside of you. So it's not just the work of the ministry, but the doing of serving. It's the fleshing out of the reality that's in your life, of the direction of your heart, rooted in chapter one, reminded in chapter two, fleshing out even the prayer as Paul prayed in chapter three that our eyes would be and hearts would be opened and our hearts would be enlightened and strengthened in the inner man, that we would know, that we would see, that we'd grasp and understand this purpose for our life and what he's done for us. How can I not do in response to that truth? Our flesh is always one of works. And I think of Galatians chapter 5. You know, the works of the flesh versus the fruits of the spirit. The reality is this is evidence of a life inside of you that can only come from God. These are the actions and the fruits that come from a life that's rooted in him and his purpose. And his truth. This is the doing of serving. I, w- I want to ask, is your heart a serving heart or a selfish heart? Now, I don't say that to condemn any one of you because I'm going to be honest, my heart defaults to selfish, right? And boy, it's a dark place to be there because everything falls short. It's never enough. The fastest way to blessing Once we humble our hearts before a holy God is to turn to others and look to serve. Serve in prayer. Lord, would you bless them when I can't do anything? When you can do something, bless them. These are the works that flow from a heart of love towards another person. It's not all about me. The work of the ministry is a doing work, doing for somebody else, looking to bless people. Listen, I was greeted at the door by these men who are passing out these bulletins. Our children are invested by so many in the children's wing and so many serving in various ways in our, in our ministries here. The difference between doing, handing out a bulletin and really pouring your life into these people even as they walk by just praying for them. Lord, would you bless them? Would you work in these people's lives as they come through the door? Look at these children dropped off of the kids' wings. Lord, would you work in these families in these marriages? A heart's direction, a heart's desire when you run into that conversation is totally different. They flow, equipped in love, equipped in knowledge. The doing is so more than acting. Doing is flowing from the heart, which leads to building others up. Listen, we can't be building others up in Christ unless we're this. This isn't something that we can muscle up and say, listen, I'm going to be nicer. I'm going to smile more. We missed the point. Though God works through it all. This is crazy. God works through even our flesh. To bless because that's the kind of God He is. The point of all of this is to know that we need to be equipped. We're all in process. He's at work through these special men. He's at work through each of us that we would be able to build up the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. This body... Joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes itself, makes the body to grow up in love. That's my greatest prayer for this church, for us. You know, there's a lie in our flesh, in our world today, sadly in many churches even today, that would say that if you can't be something that you're not, then you're nothing, if, if you can't be a preacher, if you can't be behind this pulpit, that somehow you're not something in God's kingdom. If you can't be this, a different gender, a different whatever, just fill in the blank. Somehow you're, you're nothing. The truth is, is that robs you from the very purpose that God created for you. God created you for a purpose that only you can do. And as we look at these aspirations... The world and our flesh often deceives us and robs us of the very thing that God has chosen to bless each of us uniquely through. Let me be very careful that we don't follow that leading and that we submit ourselves to to God and every answer will be different as you humble your hearts before Him because every one of us is different. If you want to look 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you see how He talks about every part of the body is unique and whole. And guess what? Sometimes the mouth The one that everybody sees isn't the one that God's using the most to work through in fact he says there some of those unseen parts actually are more critical or more important we're all needed as we humble our hearts before him and I'd ask you to ask of God yourself what would you have me do what is my place Use me, I don't know, I don't care, but show me how I can be used. What's my purpose It would be rooted in you? Oh, that's a place of great blessing, and trust me, he'll answer that prayer. And you start walking through that. Now, I love this, it's in your notes. Um, I love this picture of what God is doing. God is doing this great work, it's this divine reflexive, that means that it's acting on us as much as it is acting through us. We're the subjects and objects of growth. We're the subjects and objects of grace, which means every single one of us is both a receiver of this grace but also an agent of grace. Be that. If we talk about salt and light, making our saltiness more salty, as we get rid of those impurities in our life, as we look to walk worthy, I need to be equipped. And I need to be a part of this ministry of building and encouraging. We need to own that if we're going to grow in that. If we're going to be investing in eternity, listen, Ephesians chapter 4, this passage, ties everything that we've been talking about together. My question is, are we, are we looking to be equipped? Are we looking to bless? Are we looking to be these conduits of grace? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Second Corinthians chapter 1. This is a beautiful picture. I had this on my computer for years, um, our last ministry. Great picture of this. He talks about blessing others. Second Corinthians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. If you need comfort this morning, understand He's the God of all comfort. But he comforts us in our affliction. So God comforts me, he comforts us, so that we may be able to comfort those, that's others, who are in any affliction. And how do we do this? With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. And you know what I love about this? It's a present tense. It's the, it's the right now I'm being comforted by Him. Right now I'm being rooted in His grace. Right now I'm being filled by Him. And He allows trials and He allows afflictions in our life in part that we would be there as conduits of grace to be His grace and to be His hands and to be His ears and to be His presence for those around us that face similar things. An agent of grace a peculiar people. Some people say, yeah, they're peculiar. I'm peculiar. I make it all peculiar. A royal priesthood, ministers of the gospel, salt and light, conduits of grace, and even in our trials and our afflictions, ministers of his grace. As we stand together, share our burdens, bear one another's burdens, Galatians chapter 6. Walk together. Listen, one of the reasons why we struggle with this Because all of this requires honesty and transparency and trust. And some of you have been burned really badly by people in the past. Some of you feel burned right now. And we say, "Ah, that's the cost. I just don't know if I can pay that again. That's a tough place to be. God says, I'll come for you. I'll flow that grace through you. But we have to be willing. We have to be willing to rest in Him, and I don't like that sometimes. Sometimes it hurts bad. I'm done being hurt. Trusting Him for that is hard. Listen, it's bound by love. It's bound by love. United in love is all, driving all of it from the love of Christ in my life and giving Himself for us and the love of God and calling me into His family. And not just in our personal experience, but in loving others enough to be there for them. Loving others enough to be willing to face maybe some of the hurt. One of the great things about love isn't just the ooey-gooey feelings. Listen, that, that joy that you feel, the safety and security in a loving relationship that you feel is a wonderful thing. But in a broken world, some of the greatest things about love is that it's there even when it's not great. It's committed and it proves itself on the other side. But we have to trust God's working in that. We have to trust the wisdom of that even through the difficulty. And I'll tell you, on the other side of that, is great blessing and greater love. Part of the way we know God's great love for us is that he doesn't give up on us. The fact that He's still so patient with us and He still calls us close to His side He doesn't throw us away when we're not what we should be. I love this in Ephesians chapter 4. This building up, this investing, this ministering to one another is continuing until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. This is a continuing thing through our life. And we're no longer pushed back and forth and carried away by all these different things. Instead, speaking the truth in love, this truth here is doctrine. It's reality. We're to grow up in every way that is in Him, the head, into Christ, the spiritual work, driven by love, driven together, I'm sorry, growing together in love. And if you would just walk down through these, these passages with me, you see in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 4, we are to be bearing with one another in patience and in love. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, each one of us speaking the truth in love because we're members of one another. That means when I don't deal with you in a loving way, when I don't speak the truth to you, I hurt myself. Within a marriage, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, listen, who's ever hated his own flesh? He nourishes his flesh he loves his flesh we love ourselves so much we want us to have the best that we can have well listen when you love your wife men you get blessing because you're one flesh and she blesses you listen this is true in the the body of Christ we need to love one another bearing one another with love we're members of one another Ephesians chapter 4 continuing on about corrupting talk don't let anything corrupt come out of your mouth but instead only what is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may impart grace to the ones that hear it. I've spoken this to the teens. They probably have already heard this over and over again from me. But we forget what grace is. Grace is what you don't deserve. A lot of times we're very happy when we're merciful with our words towards others. God calls you to be gracious. Gracious. Tells you to give to them what even if you feel in the moment they don't deserve it Doesn't mean be dishonest. But build them up, invest in them, give grace to them. Ephesians chapter 4, as it continues on into chapter 5, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Be imitators, therefore, of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and he gave himself for us this morning as we close this message and this series I want to ask are you being equipped I sure hope so I, I know that in part the reason why you're here is because you are are you learning you know when I ask questions like this I, I think to myself okay how does this work what's it, what's equipped mean and if you go through Ephesians we don't have time this morning to do that it would be a separate message but knowing the truth. Chapter 1, what has God done? And if you look at his prayer, let you be filled with the knowledge of him, increasingly more and more that your eyes would be opened, that your heart would be enlightened to the great love that he has for you, the purpose that he has for you, and that flows in the others, connected to his work, knowing that it's he who is at work in us, it's he that's at work in me as he works in you. And I don't have to make this happen I have to be a part of it for it to happen. It's equipping? Now are there some practical things. Absolutely. God has gifted you in a unique way to serve this body. How are you doing that? Are you a discipler? Are you discipling? Are you serving? Are you willing to try? What's God leading on your heart? We're here to help equip you to do that. Am I serving? Am I loving? Listen, I, I don't want... To be here in a church full of doers. I'm glad I'm not, though you're so active. But those that love do a lot. Loving is better. Am I ministering? Am I serving? Am I loving? What's the heart's desire? Listen, it'll drive everything else. I wonder if you might ask, who who can I bless today? In my family? That'd be easy. In this church, neighborhood? How would God use me to bless somebody today? And, and, And am I connected? Am I connecting to God's work? I hope and pray you stay for Sunday school. That's a good way to connect. There's a lot of ways to connect. I pray that it's personal, not just institutional as well. Listen, we, we we need one another. I'm so glad to be here with you. I feel my my family is so blessed to be a part of this family. And I'm looking forward to what God does. He's doing great things. And he's not dumb. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we are so thankful to be yours. When we think about the reality that somehow we are your inheritance, that you have chosen to do a work to show your glory and your goodness and your mercy and your love through us, that you would give yourself, that your son would give his life for us, that you would somehow reward us doing what you've made us to do what you empower us to do what you can't let us keep or keep us from not doing that you do all of it through us you would reward us for that somehow is amazing that, that we would be your inheritance we, we understand why the angels look upon this plan of salvation for us and marvel and wonder we're thankful help us help us to walk Help us to trust. Help us to serve. Lord, help us to be equipped. We just pray that you would help us. In the best way we know how, we submit to you and ask you to guide us to how you would have us serve you. How we'd serve one another. We pray in your son's name. Amen.